Section 33 of the American Book of the Dog. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Haley McArdle. The American Book of the Dog, G.O. Shields, Editor. Section 33, The Maltese Terrier, by Miss A.H. Whitney. Centuries before the existence of other toy or pet dogs, this exquisite little creature was the admired companion and faithful friend of the ladies highest in rank in Greece. Later, when Rome ruled the world, he continued to be first favourite with the fair sex. Historians considered him worthy of mention, sculptors carved his image, he was the darling of wealth and luxury. Truly a gentle dog, as Dr. Caius describes him. In the first century of our era, Strabo extols his beauty, his diminutive size, the esteem in which he was held, and adds, Yet are they not small in their intelligence or unstable in their love? End quote. What a pity that in modern times the dainty, quick-witted, affectionate little Canis Miletus should be so nearly extinct, so little known. From sturdy sky to pampered Blenheim, Spaniels owe more than a little of their beauty to a cross, more or less remote, with the Maltese. Yet it is now well nigh impossible to obtain a really fine specimen, for love or money. Malta is as barren of them as America at the present time. Poor ones, indeed average specimens, are to be found both in the East and West Indies, but the best are in England, where they have been carefully bred, with more or less success, by a few fanciers during the past 40 years. Of course, unscrupulous dealers have always a supply of long-haired little mongrels, glossy white and freshly combed and flat-ironed into smoothness of coat, to palm off upon the unsuspecting customer in search of a pure Maltese. But anyone who has seen both poodles and Maltese need not be imposed upon. Reclining upon his cushion by the side of his mistress, a purebred little Maltese looks more like a handful of brilliant white-spun silk than a living creature. But pay him a little attention, and he will spring to his feet, lift his fine, short ears, and hasten to show you how keenly alive and alert he is, from the black tip of his atom of a nose to the waving end of his snowy plume of a tail. As an indoor companion of rank and beauty, the tiny fellow is peerless and his devotion to his owner is absolute. It is said that the faithful pet of hapless Mary, Queen of Scots, found at her feet after her execution, was one of this breed. Out of doors he is sharp and full of frolic, but his long coat sadly interferes with his fun. Then, too, he is not as vigorous in constitution as dogs of common clay, and is very susceptible to cold and chills. In short, he pays the penalty of living in the boudoir. A chien de luxe emphatically, he will always be precious. He cannot condescend to become popular. And as for his utility, why demand any such commonplace quality of a gem? Beauty is its own excuse for being. And truly, a typical Maltese is beautiful when in full coat and well-groomed. Numberless are the stories of the quick-witted devotion of these little pets, as excitable as they are affectionate, 
and as sagacious as the wisest philosophers of dogdom. One incident worth recounting occurred many years ago. A baby boy was asleep in an upstairs bedroom, the servants in the kitchen, and the master and mistress at a public assembly. Suddenly, the gentleman's attention was attracted by the unexpected appearance of his tiny Maltese dog, whom he supposed was safe at home. The little creature was in a frenzy of excitement, barking, whining, and tugging at his coat, as if to pull him from the room. His master, trusting to the sense of his pet, yielded to his frantic entreaties and allowed himself to be led home, the dog jumping up and barking all the way. Upon reaching the house, it was found that a candle burning by the bedside of the baby had set the curtain on fire, and the dog, after rushing downstairs and calling the servants to the rescue, had made his way out of doors and to the assembly rooms in search of his master. We hope that dear dog lived as long and happily as Lady Gifford's wonderful Brendolyn, who at 19 years of age enjoyed good health. One little four-pound Maltese was so fond of her mistress that she would make incredible efforts to keep near her, and one day the dauntless creature leaped from a second-story window in order to share the morning drive. These dogs are wonderfully alert watchmen, and not a sound escapes their keen ears. Like their relatives the poodles, they are quick to acquire tricks and eager and proud to show off their accomplishments. To Mr. R. Mandeville of London, Mr. J. Jacobs of Oxford, and more recently the late Lady Gifford of Red Hill, and Mrs. Bly Monk of Coley Park, are we indebted for the patient and persevering breeding which has produced the best modern strains of the Maltese dog. Indeed, their specimens, or specimens bred by them, or of their stock, are tolerably sure to sweep the board at all the leading English shows. Here in America, the breed is practically unknown. I doubt whether anyone can be found among our impatient fanciers willing to keep a Maltese more than two years, waiting for it to appear in full coat. But four, and often five, years elapse before he is quite furnished and in full bloom. It is said that a pair, Cupid and Psyche, were brought from the East Indies at great expense in 1841 by Captain Lukey of the East India Company's service. They were purchased to present to the Queen of England, but after a rough voyage of nine months and little or no grooming, their coats were so matted and soiled that they remained in private life and never knew how great an honour they had missed. A dog needs a court costume as much as a man if he is to be presented to royalty. I fear the lot of these dainty creatures would hardly be a happy one in our northern states, save in the palace homes of millionaires. They are very delicate during puppyhood, and the litters rarely number more than two or three. To make amends, however, when they do live, nature grants them a remarkably long lease, and they keep their faculties unimpaired many years after the majestic Mastiff and the noble St. Bernard have gone to their long rest. For indoor pets and ladies' companions, they will always be desirable, and we live in the hope of seeing some good specimens at our important shows ere long. Of course, such precious dogs must have every care. During their first year, they must be handled like our best china, kept from all risk of cold, fed simple food, and handled but little. The less meat, the better. 
bread and a scant allowance of butter or milk. Vegetables and gravy make the best diet. Heating food spoils the beauty of the coat and causes many internal diseases. Regularity in feeding and in exercise is of vital importance. They are hardly mature under two years of age, but if they survive the first year and the perils of puppyhood, become fairly strong and able to bear ordinary exposure. As the coat of a Maltese is his greatest beauty and exceedingly liable to become matted or soiled, too much attention cannot be paid to it. It is very long, sometimes from six to seven inches on a four-pound dog, perfectly straight, glistening and brilliant. Even in length, from tip of nose to end of tail, and unless parted and brushed aside from the forehead, it completely hides the bright, intelligent eyes. Many owners braid the long locks and tie them back with ribbons for the comfort of their pets, and it is not uncommon for exhibitors to fasten back the ears at mealtimes to keep the hair which covers them from being soiled by the food. Daily grooming from puppyhood is desirable, but nothing harsher than a soft hairbrush of good quality must be used. The best time for this is always just before a meal, and the dog will enjoy his food the more for his toilet. If the hair is matted or snarled, it may be necessary to disentangle the knotted locks with a pin before combing. A fine comb must never be used, as it would be sure to do harm, but a coarse-toothed one saves time and aids the brush. Some exhibitors are so anxious to keep their pets from indulging in the luxury of scratching that they make little wash-leather boots for the hind legs so that the nails cannot penetrate the skin or take off a single hair. We do not recommend the use of these. Proper diet and careful daily grooming are far better precautions against skin irritation. The Maltese is a merry, frolicsome creature and full of vivacity. Some writers accuse him of snappishness, but some writers call all dogs snappish, so we will forgive their ignorance of the sweet temper as well as the wonderful intelligence of this breed. As an indoor pet, companion and watchman, few other toy dogs can compare with the exquisite tiny Maltese. The chief objections to him are the dangerous delicacy of his constitution and the care required to keep him in presentable condition as to his jacket. To prepare him for exhibition is not difficult if he has been dressed regularly. Let not the novice think an all-over tubbing necessary. That would invite a severe cold, unless given by an experienced assistant. Far better and easier is the egg bath, prepared and applied as follows. Break two fresh eggs in a hand basin. Beat them sufficiently to mix yelks and whites well. Add a gill of warm water and then apply with a soft, small sponge or the hands working it thoroughly and gently in through the coat to the skin, beginning at the head and carefully avoiding the eyes and the inside of the ears. When the dog is well lathered, wash off with tepid water and a sponge, but no soap, as you value the brilliancy of your future prize winner's jacket. Then wrap up your pet in a big bath towel, wipe him dry gently, give him a good meal, and do not think of combing him until after his nap. A hand smoothing makes a good finish. And then beware lest the little dandy catches cold and has to be kept at home from the show after all.
A quarter grain pill of quinine night and morning before feeding, continued for three days, will usually put him in good health and spirits and enable him to throw off the threatened illness. Of course, no one interested in this valuable and delicate breed will be so unwise as to exhibit puppies no matter how promising. For them, the paths of glory lead but to the grave. The points of a Maltese, according to the present standard of judging, are as follows. Skull, muzzle and nose, value of 5. Eyes, 3. Ears, 7. Body and legs, 5. Tail, 5. Coat, 10. Colour, 10. General appearance and size, 5. Total value of 50. The skull is somewhat broad and slightly rounding, but not like that of toy spaniels, the muzzle tapering gradually to the jet-black little nose. The eyes should be of fair size, neither prominent like those of the King Charles and Pug, nor very small and deep-set. Brilliant and black they must be, and the roof of the mouth is of the same colour. The jaws are level, and the teeth good enough for a terrier. The ears are small, thin, and fall close to the head. When excited, the dog lifts them a little. The body is rather long, deep-chested, level in back, muscular, and well-knit. The legs are shortish, straight, strong, and barefooted. The tail, an exquisite little white plume, is carried gracefully, curving over the side and back. The coat, the all-important, must be long, the longer the better, from 7 to 11 inches on a dog standing no more than 7 inches high at shoulder, and as soft and silky as nature and art can make it, dazzlingly brilliant and snowy white. Lemon markings sometimes occur upon the ears, but they are a disqualification, even on the best specimens, and even worse than any tendency to curl in the coat. The weight should not exceed seven pounds, and many prize winners are under five. It may interest our readers to study the accompanying group of the creme de la creme of Maltese prize winners, owned by the late Lady Gifford of England. The illustration is taken from a photograph from life. Tiny little Brendolin was a wonder, as frisky and strong at 19 years of age as most dogs are at four. She was the dam and grandam of many prize winners. Lord Clyde and Sir Roger are exquisite specimens and well known on the show bench. Sir Roger is rather the better in head and coat and strongly resembles the famous champion Hugh. Queenie is a tiny, charming atom of three pounds weight, the sister of Hugh, and probably the smallest of her breed yet exhibited. Champion Hugh was whelped in 1875 and first shown in 1877 at the Royal Aquarium where he won second prize. His career was a series of triumphs from that time on until his death. He took his 23rd and last prize at the Crystal Palace July 1885 and died in that year after a very brief illness. He was devotedly attached to his mistress and never happy in her absence. His proportions and measurements are worth knowing. We quote them from Castle's Book of the Dog. From nose to stop, one inch. Stop to top of skull, 
2 and 1 half inches. Length of back, 8 inches. Girth of muzzle, 4 inches. Girth of skull, 9 inches. Girth of neck, 7 inches. Girth of brisket, 11 and 1 half inches. Girth round shoulders, 11 inches. Girth of loins, 9 inches. Girth of forearm, 2 and 1 half inches. Girth of pastern, 1 and 3 fourth inches. Height at shoulders, 7 and 1 half inches. Height at elbows, 4 inches. Height at loins, 7 and 1 fourth inches. Length of tail, 5 inches. Hair on tail, 7 inches. Length of coat, 11 inches. Length of ear, with hair, 7 and 1 half inches. Weight, 4 pounds and 10 ounces. End of section 33. Recording by Hayley McArdle.